The following episode of the Because Maybe podcast is rated explicit. Please be advised that the content matter is aimed at mature audiences. If your age determines that you must attend mandatory education daily, or if you find course language offensive, you are strongly advised to not listen to this podcast. By continuing to listen, you are choosing to ignore this warning. You release the Because Maybe podcast team of any and all responsibility. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, everybody? This week, we look at the underrated movie The People vs. Larry Flint, and our sarcastic teenager has a thing or two to say about research. That and a whole lot more is to come, because maybe the pervert is back. The pervert is back. Welcome to the show. You know, that's maybe not the best way to start the show, but you know what, I love that line, so, you know, it's, it's my show, I can do what I want. <laughs> Hi guys, hope everybody's doing okay on this wonderful, wonderful Sunday, wherever you are. Um, it's like 8,000 degrees down here in Louisiana, and yeah, I just, I, I can't handle it. Uh, I took a picture and I posted it on Facebook yesterday, and I look like, you know, uh, Brent Spiner in Independence Day. I just got the hair everywhere, the beard everywhere, it's 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 not doing good. But um, one of the reasons, uh, before we get started, I want to explain why I put this as an explicit episode. Episode, rather than just a standard episode, I figured the life of a smut peddler, uh, one of the industry's porno kings, is not really appropriate for everybody. So, you know, I want people to know what they're getting into before we get it started. So, if you guys don't think it's appropriate for, to listen to, by all means, you're not going to hit my feelings. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, or you can just fast forward past, you know, past the main segment and listen to what we've got going on at the end. So, um, before we get into everything, though, I wanted to say one or two things about the World Cup. Um, for those of you who know, I'm a big football fan, big soccer fan, depending on where in the world you are. And this year, the tournament is in uh, Russia. Um First time in Europe in many, many years. Uh, this is actually the first in three, in four World Cups that's been in Europe. It went to uh, Italy, South Africa. I um, oh, was it Italy? I can't remember. Germany. So it went to Germany, South Africa, Brazil. Now we're in Russia. Uh, the next time it'll be in Qatar, and then after that we'll probably be in uh, the United States. So I might actually go to a World Cup game. Whoever knows. Uh, but whenever these tournaments come along, it starts on the 14th. So that will be next Saturday or next Sunday. I'm not sure. Uh, it starts on the 14th and runs through to July 15th. And this year, like every year, like in every tournament that Wales are not a part of, I will be supporting the Germans. Um, I, I, I don't know why. Um... I just remember back when I was younger, back uh, in Euro 96, I think it was, um, there was a player called uh, Stefan Nutz, and his name was spelled K-U-N-T-Z, and I thought that was hilarious, and he was, he, he wasn't the greatest player of all, and, you know, he broke the English heart. Now, look, I, I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm not down with this, with the pettiness of the modern-day Welsh-English sport rivalry, I just have many, many better things to do, but, you know, seeing, um, Gareth Southgate missed that penalty, and, you know, it, it, it made me laugh, uh, <laughs> but not just that, I mean, I had family members who supported Germany, and I just, I don't know why, the, the Germans seem, in a sports arena anyway, to, the, 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 they're always some of my favorite players, um, I love Lukas Podolski, uh, Per Mertesacker, uh, Mesut Ozil, um, that's in, in, obviously, in modern times, then you've got, like, Oliver Bierhoff, uh, Jens Lehmann, uh, Oliver Kahn, you know, I just, I love the Germans, um, Germany is one of the most underrated countries in the world, because everybody talks about Brazil, and South America, and Argentina, and Spain, and France, and Italy, and 
Germany are up there. You know, they've won four World Cups, soon to be five in my opinion, and, uh, you know, that's who I'm going for. Now, I'd, I'd, do, I'd support Germany if Wales are not there. If Wales were there, of course I'd be supporting Wales. And, you know, should Wales get knocked out, they move on to Germany. But um, I think that the next World Cup, Wales will qualify for. Um, just something tells me that, you know, we haven't seen the last of this generation of Welsh players. Um, the fact that they've done really, really well over the last six years, especially after the tragic death of Gary Speed, um, you know, I think they will, they, they, we will go a long way. We, 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 we're going to Qatar. Um, and what about my adopted homeland? Well, they've done the right thing, and they've moved away from Klinsman, obviously, and a German player I don't like. Uh, <laughs> I just don't have time for divers, I'm sorry. Divers and experts players, so there you go. Um, USA's got to change some of their mentality. Um, they've got to start attracting people to Major League Soccer in their prime, rather than just as a retirement home. They bring a couple of top European guys in their prime. It'll bring more attention to the league, which will bring the standard up, in my opinion. But as soon as that happens, you know, and I've also, I've also said this too, as soon as Major League Soccer does away with the salary cap, if you were given the chance to play in Bolton or in New York, where are you going to live and play? I, you know, no disrespect to Bolton much anyway, but uh, no, no disrespect to Bolton, but I mean, Old York versus New York, you know. Um, do you want to do you want to play in Birmingham or Los Angeles? You know, um, Florida or Fulham. You know, it's just or maybe London you might get away with, but you, you get what I'm saying. So that that's my opinion on how U.S. football will go in the future. As soon as the salary cap's gone, that's it. America will take over. Mark my words. Mark this date. It's not going to happen, but you know. Should it happen? Um, but as I said a minute ago, I think Germany are definitely, definitely going to win. And uh, keep your eye out on Panama. That's what I'm going to say. Keep your eye out on Panama. Um, European folks don't know too much about them, but um, they, they, they'll do good. They'll do good. Um, talking of football, um, I wanted to get in touch with what happened last week. Um, we mentioned Loris Karius. Um, and there's been a bit of a... I don't want to say excuse, because it's not an excuse, but there's been a bit of more, de more of a development on what actually happened, and it turns out that Carius uh, actually has a concussion uh, that was sustained during the match. Now, if you have a concussion, it's basically a bruise on your brain, uh, for what most people don't know. And it can disorient you, it can cause things like double vision, it can cause things like, you know, coordination off, everything like that. So that could explain why he dropped the last goal. Um, it could explain why he threw the ball and it hit the other player when it looked like it wasn't going to. You know, I mean, if he had a serious head injury like that, it, it could explain. Now, if they detected it on the field, they should have pulled him off straight away. I, I've got no, you know, a couple of years ago, I remember, uh, Lauren Koscielny, Wojciech Szczesny, and Diego Costa, I think, were involved in a three-way clash of heads, and... I think it was Arsenal. I think it was against Chelsea. I'm not sure. Um, but basically what Chesney, Koscielny definitely clashed heads and a third guy from the opposition team did. And Wenger kept Koscielny and Chesney on until Koscielny almost passed out on the pitch. You know. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, th I think, you know, head injury in sport is a lot, a lot of things that we need to, to, to look at a little bit more in detail. So, but um, then again, I just spent five minutes talking about this. I might not watch the World Cup. Because, you know, the World Cup is supposed to be a showcase of the greatest players at the peak of their ability showing to the world what they can do. 
and you can't have a World Cup without Nicholas Bentner. Um, so <laughs> poor Bentner, he's not going to be there. Um, another thing before we get started, it's kind of ironic that this week we're talking about the People versus Larry Flint. Um, Hugh Hefner was one of the uh, biggest smut peddlers in the United States. Larry Flint is one of the biggest smut peddlers in the United States. Um, but in the UK, they lost their own smut peddler this week as 1980s throwback uh, Peter Stringfellow, uh, he passed away. Um, the man was a lecherous pervert, but apparently he had like a good side, you know, which is which is really, really weird. Um, also in Celebrity Deaths, Anthony Bourdain passed away this week. Um from a suicide, and, you know, it's, 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 yeah, I mean, I know there was a fashion designer who passed away through suicide, too, this week, and, you know, more and more people are, are deciding that, you know, they can't live anymore, and that's, you know, that's, that's sad, and that's horrifying, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I, I could go on and on, but I'm not going to, you know, uh, may, you know, may everybody who's, who's passed away recently, may they rest in peace, and all, all that for what it's worth, and, you know, you know, I know that, that, that I don't want to end this on a down note, so to speak, but, you know, all I can say is, guys, look for what's great in your life and focus on that. And that should do enough to keep, um, to keep that monster away because it is a monster. And, you know, the only way you can slay it is to, to, to keep your wits about you, I guess. So, with all that in mind, uh, social media, guys, if you're on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or Google+, look up Because Maybe Pod. Uh, look at the blog, becausemaybepodcast.wordpress.com. Look up our YouTube channel. I finally was able to get that up to date this week. We've got sample episodes where we usually put our skit, a uh, couple of comments from the main main thing. Um, it's just for people, if you don't want to listen to it, you know, and you just want to hear a sample, that's what it is. Um, we also put extra episodes up there. I'm going to be having an extra episode before too much longer. I just got to figure out how to do it. Now, one more thing before, I know I've ranted and raved. I know I've spoken here for a good 10 minutes, and I don't usually speak this long. But um, the upcoming segment uh, is going to be me with Sarah. Um, I just want to warn you that the sound quality is not going to be the best. Um my microphone has been acting up this week. I finally managed to, to figure out what the problem was. Um, it was a bad cable, um, which sucks because these things are expensive. Uh, but I was not able to to edit all the the you know the and and stuff out of it. Sorry about that. <laughs> I was not able to edit any of the you know any of the junk out of there on all of the junk out of there. I should say. Um, and I didn't want to go through the hassle of recording again because I thought we really really got a good episode together. So guys, please ignore parts of the sound quality. Uh, my voice is going to cut in and out. But uh, Sarah, one of the reasons I brought Sarah on board is because she has great insights, and and this episode was no different. She did a really really good job. And like I said, if you are not in to listening to a smut peddler's life. Either fast forward or, you know, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. So, guys, The People vs. Larry Flint, here we are. Review Corner, The Big Screen. Hey, guys, uh, we are back. And I say we because I am joined once again by the absolute fantastic wind beneath my wings, the sole reason that I wear pants in the morning because I remember them. Sarah, how you doing? What up? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. Welcome to season three or season two point five. Yay! And also, we're joined by a third guest, Old Man Pepper. <laughs> yes, Pepper the cat so is. So if you hear any, uh, meow. Yeah. yeah. If you hear anything, it's just the cat ignore mm-hmm. us. You know, he, he doesn't like what we do. He doesn't like talking. Yet he's sitting on our bed. Just anyway. Anyway, guys. So um, this week we are going to be looking at one of the most underrated movies of the nineties. Yes. And. 
it's a doozy. It's a biographic, biographic, biopic even, of... <laughs> Let me start that again. Actually, I'm going to keep that in. Yes. It's a, a, basically a biography, and uh-huh. it is The People versus Larry Flynn. Yes. Um, strangely enough, a favorite movie of uh, certain relatives. Yes, it was one of Momo's, uh, my grandmother's favorite movies. My grandmother who just passed in March. This was one of her, uh, one of her favorites, which amused me to no end. So, it's a it's a dang good movie, and yeah, it, it, that does seem weird. I mean, one of my grand my grandfather's one of his favorite movies was Blade and Saddles. So. Yes, but that gave him a heart attack. That's why he liked it. Let so. it not be let it not be said that octogenarians uh, have lost their sense of humor. Do don't have a sense of humor, rather. No, they do. They so. just they just don't like our sense of humor. Which is okay. When, <laughs> right? we, yeah. when we become octogenarians, we won't like the sense of humor that's going on now. Darn kids uh, on the lawn. That's right. Us goats in our case. Yes. Um, so, let's get some of the boring stuff out the way. Yes. Uh, before we go deep into it. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is, yes. a, like I said, it's a biopic. It's a mm-hmm. biopic of Larry Freund. It's uh, directed by Milos Forman. <clears throat> yes. And produced by Oliver Stone. Yes. Which I'm slightly shocked at because there's not enough conspiracy in this movie. <laughs> uh, also produced right. by uh, Janet Yang and Michael Hausman. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Scott Alexander and Larry... Karen's wiki. I pol- my apologies if I got that wrong. Can you say it better? Uh, Karazinski? Karazinski. All right, beautiful. Uh, it was produced by Phoenix Pictures, distributed by Columbia, and was released Christmas Day, 1996. Yes. Merry Christmas. Here's a stripper movie. Uh, uh, well, it's more than just a stripper movie. I know. We will get into that here in just a moment. Um, did moderately well at the box office, $20.3 million, but mm-hmm. it was a loss commercially. Yes. But it kind of is like a lot of movies that, that are lost commercially. It found, kind of like found its audience on DVD. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they made it up in domestics later. Yeah, I mean. I mean, it didn't. The box office, yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, it's pretty much like all Kevin Smith movies. It made its money on, you know. And, and on its audience. Right. Well, um, the critics, however, liked it. I mean, according to the Journal Meter Film uh, reviewer that is mm-hmm. taking the imdb rotten tomatoes critic and rotten tomatoes users right and aggregating the, the numbers it's an 80 percent film so it's an eight out of ten movie according to people around the world fair yes. assessment okay um <laughs> and we're, we're gonna come to why i've got sarah with me here and although not because it's one of her favorite movies it's because of people who are in it but yes. also she knows how to you know sh- to ha- how to put this movie into words better than i can so oh do i maybe okay so for those of you wondering, what is this movie about? Well, it's about Larry Flint. Yes. Uh, basi- you owe your freedom of speech currently to Larry Flint. I know. That's that's that, that's weird to me, you know. To a smut peddler. To a smut peddler. A proud smut peddler. Oh, yeah. Come. He may even have a strip club in your neighborhood. He's got one in ours. Yes, he does. <laughs> Anakin has the power. Um... Mm. That's another story for another day. Please don't sue us. Um, mm. So what is this movie about? Well, strip club owner Larry Flint and his brother Jimmy uh, form a moonshiners. Yes. They start a gogo club. Mm-hmm. And the brothers, along with Larry's wife, Althea, uh, eventually create a pornographic magazine that ignores society's morals and taboos. Hustler brings the Flints not only millions in profit, but also the wrath of decent people. Mm-hmm. Flint and his overburdened attorney find themselves in courtrooms all over the nation, defending Larry against criminal and civil charges. Flint is beset by paralysis, the result of an assassination attempt, drug addiction, mental illness, and Althea's failing health. 
Yes. That, that, that's that's kind of the movie in a nutshell, but it, it's not completely, but it's, you know, it, it doesn't spoil anything. And, right. And besides, if you've lived in the United States of America over the last 30 years, you know who Larry Flint is. You Correct. know what he does, and you Correct. know pretty much his life story. Right. Um, I want to get to the cast real quick, because this cast... Is was, amazing. Was perfect. Yes. Very rarely in a biopic do you get the right people cast. Look, The mm -hmm. People versus O.J. Simpson that was on Netflix a, uh, a while back. Mm -hmm. I like Cuba Gooding Jr. I think he's a fantastic actor, but he did not convince me as O.J. Simpson. Right. He was just too short in stature, and he's been in enough roles in his lifetime where, you know, like Daddy Daycare, or Daddy Day Camp, excuse me. Right. You know, where he played the comic relief in a lead role and it just it just kind of didn't click but woody harrelson as larry flint that is an astute piece of casting right there all right well i mean you've got you've got harrelson as, as larry flint you've yep. got you know our our the, the patron saint of the podcast courtney love because she keeps right. coming up as uh, althea yep you've got edward norton as uh, their lawyer yep but okay here's the thing and and there are other supporting cast members but I mean, such as Charles Keating and whatnot. But here, I mean, sorry, that was ugh. James yeah. Cromwell. You mean. James Cromwell playing Charles Keating? Sorry. And uh, Larry's brother, played by uh, Woody's brother. Yes, but here's the thing, guys: you actually have Woody Harrelson, Edward Norton, and Crispin Glover all in the same movie. Yeah. Like that just makes my little you know movie nerd heart sing right there. Oh, it's singing loud and proud too. Yes. Uh, but you, th I, I, I'm in a personal agreement that every single person cast in this role was perfect. Yes. Very rarely you get that in a movie. In fact, in a couple of movies we reviewed, that's been the case. But this one more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, Woody Harrelson just nailed it. Yeah, he did. He, 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 like Woody Harrelson plays the sleazy, selfish person very, very well. Yes, he does. Kingpin. Yes. Hunger Games. <laughs> Yes. I'm sorry, I can't do Kingpin. Like, I recognize it for the awesomeness that it is, but I cannot sit through it without just, yeah. yeah. Mm -mm. Uh, Courtney Love. Um, on the one hand, it's fair to say that Courtney Love may have found this role kind of easy. You know, playing... Um, a stripper, yeah. Playing, a, playing an abused stripper, mm -hmm. abused underage stripper, mm -hmm. uh, with drug problems mm -hmm. but at the same time and, I, and we'll get to this in a minute but i wasn't watching woody harrelson courtney love and edward Norton. no no you were watching not. larry flint i feel i can't pronounce the name my apologies althea larry, althea flint and alan isaac isaacman that's what i saw on the screen you know <laughs> yes. it, it was um it was you know definitely definitely it's what made the movie yes it, you know it, it's it's a lot of films nowadays you see like will smith on TV, on screen, and he's being Will Smith. Right. He's not, you know, he, gone are the days where he was the nerdy kid in Mid-America. Right. You know, now every time he walks in, he's the Fresh Prince. Correct. You know. That is, that, that is what it is, yes. So this movie is not just a simple biopic, which is one of the reasons why we're covering it. It, it does have a lot of... Here's the thing. Woody Harrelson takes to Flint, right? Like Gary Sinise did to Lieutenant Dan. Ooh. Yes. I mean, he you, you have someone in the beginning of the movie who is able-bodied and, you know, and plays it full of vigor and whatnot. Yep. And then they are, because of, you know, an event that happened, see the movie or crack open your Wikipedia, whichever, 
I'm well, then again, it's 1996. I mean, really, can yeah, we, can, it's, 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 it's past the term for spoilers, it's right? It's a 22-year-old movie. I okay, it, yeah. You know. So, and but after you know, after Larry is shot, I mean, you know, he's it, paralyzed. He's paralyzed, and Harrelson plays it perfectly. Oh my God, does he play it perfectly? And and with uh, you know, with a panache that you haven't seen. I love the word. That's a fun word, panache. That you haven't seen uh, at that time since hadn't seen since Denise and 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 Gump. No. So. No, definitely. Yeah, it's it's. He played it a lot better than the dude from uh, Bones did. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or the dude in Glee. Or the dude in Glee, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, not only not only that though, it's um. He channeled that anger mm-hmm. and that rage mm-hmm. and that pity all together mm-hmm. really you know really really just uh, you know and actually you know we're gonna come, we're gonna come to that in a minute but one one of the main themes of this movie is larry's battle with the establishment yes now we said at the beginning of this piece larry flint is your first amendment hero like mm-hmm. the, you know one of the reasons that i wanted to do this is i wanted to talk mainly about this kind of stuff but out of everyone in the world that you would think that you you know who who is your constitutional hero <laughs> yeah it's, it's not many people would think to go larry flint is my constitutional hero burn, burn, burn. and it's nothing against you know his political views or anything right. like that but i mean the majority let's be honest the majority of people in the adult entertainment industry mm-hmm. you know pornographers uh, strip club owners pimps even you know Legal pimps, we should say. Uh, but, I mean, they're all selfish, self-centered, looking out for mm-hmm. number one. And Larry Flint is that. And there's a part of me that, that also believes that one of the reasons he's... He's not fighting for our free speech, so to speak. So to speak. He's fighting for his. Mm-hmm. But his actions have led to everybody else getting theirs. Well, yeah, but a part of it, and it's part that was definitely um, talked about in the movie. Yeah. I mean, while it started... With him defending his right. I mean, it definitely escalated in, into just... Because, dear God, that man was stubborn. Oh, yeah. I and mean, thank God he was. But, well, I mean... He is. Let, let, let's clarify. As of recording, Larry is still alive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, as the depiction shows, he's yes. stubborn, you know, stubborn as stubborn can be. Oh, yeah. But it's it's that, that, you know... Um, here's the thing. Here's a little tidbit for you. If you have ever read or enjoyed um, fan fiction, you can thank Larry Flint. Yes. If you have ever um, partaken or enjoyed, partaken of or enjoyed a parody of some sort, you like on YouTube, it. Weird Al, Weird Al can 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 thank th- yeah, um, Mad Magazine. Yep. <laughs> That's. They owe Larry Flint their thanks. Yep. Because the whole ability to parody something or to take something and sort of make it your own um, is is given to us legally by the Flint case. Yep. Now, which Flint case are we talking about? The one against Jerry Falwell? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, we, we'll get into into that here in, yes. in, in a few. But, I mean, that that is really, really important. And, again, you know, it's 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 quite revealing, I guess, you mm-hmm. know, to, to see. I mean, I don't want to get political or anything like that. But no. it's quite revealing to see who 
is fighting for constitutional rights, especially mm-hmm. in this movie, and who is trying to deny constitutional rights. Mm. Now, is there bias involved in it? Probably there is. Yes. You know, as, as in a lot of things. I mean, remember, this movie was produced by Oliver Stone. You know, I mean, there's a man who never saw a conspiracy he didn't like, you know. <laughs> He's probably the one who vandalized the Golden McKernan billboard. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, how many times in this movie... I mean, not just in this movie, in reality, was Larry thrown in prison? Quite a few. Mental institution. Mm -hmm. I mean, his first uh, arrest and charge, he was sentenced to 25 years in prison for organized crime. Yes. Which he wasn't an he wasn't a mobster you know he was just a smut peddler mm-hmm. you know ironically the judge who uh, sentenced him in that scene was played by larry flint, larry flint himself yeah yes um but it, it does point out you know hypocrisy i mean h- how many times in that movie does he do something that he knows hugh hefner got away with yes um one scene he like he he takes over uh, somebody's store and he sells a copy of playboy mm-hmm. A, po- a copy of Penthouse, and everything's fine. And as soon as he sells a copy of Hustle, he's arrested. Mm-hmm. For, for insanity. So I guess the social media question for this week is, which one was the more vulgar, uh, Penthouse or Hustler? Uh, no, no, that's not, <laughs> not going to be it. But remember also, guys, you know, we are, this this episode is rated mature for young years yes. listening. If you don't know what Hustler is, and if you don't know what um, Penthouse is, just Let's to ask you turn it off. Turn it off. Turn off the podcast Turn right now. Turn off the podcast and go ask your older brother for a copy of his. John Roberts. <laughs> oh, please. Um, <laughs> but um, also, that it points out double standards in uh, what was the evangelical movement and even uh, high places in government who were promoting free speech, but they're getting offended at his application. Right. Because Larry does strike up a friendship with uh, Jimmy Carter's sister. Yes. Now, I'm not sure if Carter was president at the time in the, in the you know, in that time period um it was it was he okay in real life carter did an interview with playboy i think and um or it could have been his i've got to look it up actually and i should have um but carter admitted to to being human and having lust in his heart um and there was a lot of blowback from that no, no pun intended. There was, there was, it was a lot. Um, Somebody say blowback. Stop. So, <laughs> yeah, you're about 20, 20 years uh, too soon for that one, babe. But, um, so, anyway, this, that whole thing uh, led to the relationship, the friendship between Larry and uh, President Carter's sister. Miss uh, Ruth Carter. Yes. Ruth Carter Stapleton. Yes. Um, she, she was an evangelical who run her own uh, mission system. In fact, converted Larry to Christianity for yes. for, for, for a while at that point. And we'll get to that here in, in a little bit because um, it's a bigger statement than just, well, he converted Christianity. What happened next? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Right. But um, another theme, another big theme in this movie is uh, health and drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm piling these together because one, in this movie's case, one led to the other. I mean, Larry, Larry was not, um, Larry Frank was not a drug taker, if I remember rightly. Right, not, no. No, not, 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 not recreationally. Right. Um, but in the middle of the movie, he's shot. And mm-hmm. he's, it, he's shot in his spine. Mm-hmm. And 
the pain is so great that it leads to an addiction to painkillers yes. and other drugs. Yes. Um, and he spends basically about five years in agony and seclusion. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where his that's where his dependency comes from. And I can understand some, something like that. I mean, look, I'm I'm not going to crap on on drug user or anything like that. But I mean, if you were using medicine for legitimate uh, means and get addicted to it, that's not your fault. That's that that's an illness, you know, right? Definitely. Well, addiction's an illness anyway. But that's another story for another. Right. Um, Althea has problems with her own addiction, and mm-hmm. basically the pair of them spend about five years in a basic codependent addiction. Yes. And how Larry breaks from that is he has like six or seven surgeries on his back to kill the nerves that are basically on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's got to be hell. You can't move your body right yeah but like from from you know from the middle of your uh from the middle of your spine down yeah you know what i mean middle of your rib cage down excuse me you can't move your body but you can feel it hurting oh yeah that's got to be hell definitely 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 and you know how he well, we know how he dealt with that. He, he you know, painkillers and stuff well, like yeah. that. But I mean, from for, for my point of view, look, I've, I've traveled five hours, my back's beating pain, and I've wanted, you know. Right. Just having that for years and years and years and years. Um, the sad part about it is that when uh, Larry has his surgeries, mm-hmm. he quits drugs, basically, because he doesn't need them anymore. Right. And which, I'll- which the movie is very real in that. Yeah. Like, it gets raw. I mean, it doesn't sugarcoat anything. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But the problem was Althea doesn't get clean and decides Mm-mm. to carry on. And because of the because of her drug addiction, because mm-hmm. um, now we go into the eighties. We now into the eighties. Basically, the sends of HIV, and then mm-hmm. eventually, you know, AIDS. Into AIDS. And this was the eighties. I mean, good lord, you know, can you imagine? I can't imagine how she was in reality treated in the movie. She was treated pretty shittily. But uh, in reality, you know, yeah, I just, I just can't, can't think of it. Uh, Larry suffers from severe depression uh, due to being locked in a mental institution for eighteen months. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was another one of Larry's, you know, outbursts in court. I think that was the time he wore uh, the U.S. flag as a diaper, mm-hmm. and then the judge just sentenced him to eighteen months in a nuthouse. Yes. Um, but after beating his drug addiction, Larry returns to work with the famous line: "The pervert is back." Yes. One of my favorite lines in the movie. <laughs> but um, Althea unfortunately dies of her condition. And I don't know if that's how it happened. But her death scene Not in quite. this movie is like really raw. It is. And um, again, I've got to I've got to give props to my girl. Um, oh, yeah. Here's the thing. This movie was released in 96. Right? It's released of Christmas of 96. And movies of this scope, you know, it took a while to work on. Okay? Yeah. So you can, it's it's a safe bet to say, just, you know, that if they weren't filming, they were at least reading around April of 96. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, give or take. Okay, I mean, but there was some either pre pre or, or or either pre production or production, right? Right, going on. Okay, here's the thing. 
to just, you know, imagine spending the second anniversary of your husband's death by, by gunshot. Yeah. Right? Um, getting ready to film a movie where there are some similarities to yourself. Yeah. Where your husband, you know, is, is wounded. By gunshot. By gunshot. And then the, the, the scene where he's, um, where they've got him at the hospital and Althea is wigging out and she's telling them to save him and she doesn't care if they have to keep his head in an effing jar, you know, that, that just chills, dude. I mean, that just, she, that could not have been an easy no, no, not thing at all. to film. The entire thing couldn't have, couldn't be easy to film. Well, that's that's one of the things too. I mean, you know, she, as I touched on on the blog, which if you haven't read yet, please go do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. On the one hand, she didn't have to quote unquote act a lot of that stuff, but this had to be cathartic for her. Yeah, you know, I mean, she's channeling her emotions through somebody else who went through a similar experience. Right. And that person was a real person too. So it wasn't just like, you know, a made up character just for the sake of entertainment. Right. You know, and yeah, she does. I mean, I've said before, she does stolen work on this movie. I mean, one of the best performances by a non-actor I've ever seen in a movie. Well, she had some acting. I mean, she, yeah, she did have some acting experience, but not on this scale. This is true. I mean, you know, um, the guy from Almost Famous, he he had some guitar skill, but not on the level that right. he did and spent six weeks with everybody's favorite, you know, <laughs> guitar player, yes. guitar player's guitarist, Mr. Peter Frampton. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't that own, Nancy Wilson. I don't own Frampton Comes Alive. I'm, I'm like, there's like six of us in the world. What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, you do my proxy, because I've got like six copies of it on vinyl. <laughs> so... So, by proxy. By proxy. I mean, you know, by law, you own half. So, you have three copies, dear. Oh, right. Yay! Yay! Um, (laughs) So, now, let's go back to our our secondary subject, the People vs. Larry Flynn. Yes. Sorry about that. (laughs) No, it's my fault. I keep going off on these tangents. Um, A lot of the scenes take place in the courtroom. Mm Mm-hmm. And it shows the bond between Larry Flint and Alan Isaacman. Yes. Now, we'll get to a little bit more on that here in a few minutes. Um... He's charged a lot with indecency, and as I mentioned, his court romantics are over the top. Uh, he, you know, once used the U.S. flag as a diaper and took yes. a crap in the courtroom, mm. and started throwing oranges at the judges. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, you know, the the final scene where he's in the Supreme Court with the, with the Falwell case mm-hmm. that almost didn't happen because of Larry's a- a- antics in in courtrooms past, right? And his attorney, Alan Isaacman, said, look, you know, they will not speak to you because you will be in, you know, right. disrespectful to the court and everything like that. But in, 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 in credit, he shows up to the courtroom mm-hmm. and he's completely and utterly placid. He's completely and utterly conformed. You know, he's just sitting there quietly while his attorney does his thing. Yes. Which you could put that down to grieving, I guess. But on the other hand, you know, it's... Oh, dear God, the man was tired. I mean, this whole thing, this, I mean, this entire thing had snowballed for so long. Yeah. I mean, look at what he lost in this. I mean, ultimately, you know, it started off him, 
you know, just having his his business, you know, him him running his business, him yeah. running his magazine. I mean, he 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 lost, you know, the the use of most of his body. Yeah. Um, time, money, sanity, loved ones. Yeah, that's true. I mean, at this point. He is just exhausted. And who wouldn't be? No, that's a, that's a fair point. I mean, you know. That that is an absolute fair point. I mean, yeah, he, he I mean, through the course of the movie, you, you you see, you know, he does go through he does run the gambit of everything from anger, defiance, guilt. It's I mean, like watching the, the stages of grief. I yeah, mean, it really is. The whole movie. Mhm. I mean, you know. Um one of the other one another big theme. Mhm. Um, is the dichotomy between uh, rich man and poor man. Well, yeah, I mean, Flint's story is very much, uh, you know, pulled himself by his bootstraps. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. I mean, they were moonshiners and hustlers. That's where the name came from, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Althea was, was sent to many different Catholic orphanages, mm-hmm. and she was abused there. Uh, the Flint brothers uh, came from a broken home, no money. Mm-hmm. Uh, their dad was a, was an alcoholic, as it's depicted in the movie. Um but like most poor people who become wealthy, as their wealth increased, so does that extravagance. Oh well, yeah, because when you have nothing, you want everything. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you see, you see that a lot now with say lottery winners. You know, the the ones who win like eight hundred million, and then in two years they're broke. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and they feel like where they where they're from, like in Ohio, that. They're outcasts, for lack of a better term, because of what they do and how they do it. So they basically move to California after Larry's incident, shall we say, you know, after after his paralyzation. Mm-hmm. Um, but before his paralyzation, uh, he became a born again Christian in about the year, year and a half leading up to his shooting. Right. And when I say he became a Christian, I don't just mean he started going to church and saying, "Lord, you know, I apologize for selling these naked ladies, but um, hmm. I'm still going to sell them." And he's my he's my he's my tithe. He literally becomes a full fledged born again Christian, showing up to church on Sunday. You know, wh- whatever you picture when you picture you know, your stereotypical mm-hmm. churchgoer. Um, and they were sincere beliefs that he held with uh, Ruth Carter Stapleton. Right. And you know that kind of kind of almost ruined his business, for lack of a better term. But at the same time, was that a bad was that a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, it was his personal choice. It was his personal choice. Okay. I mean, you know, I've always, I've always found that, you know, I mean, especially living down here, you know, right. people, people put a lot of their faith into their businesses and a lot of their businesses into their faith. Well, and, also, you've got to realize, though, that, I mean, hmm, it's, it's ironic that the person who fought so much for First Amendment rights also is was judged for exercising his first amendment right um just from the other end so i mean larry exerted his his right for freedom of religion yeah and people went nuts so i mean you know he's flint is pretty much all over that first amendment one way or the other the heathens hated him when he had jesus and everyone who had Jesus hated him when he was a heathen. When he was a heathen. So, go figure. 
That's true. And I mean, during the time, he does change the magazine. Uh, gone right. with the explicit nudity and gone with uh, same-sex couples. Yes. And, you know, but in, it, it's kind of bittersweet in a way. That, <clears throat> um, after his shooting, he denounces uh, religion entirely and becomes yes. a full-fledged atheist. Mm. And, you know, but during this time, I mean, uh, Alfie and Jimmy are trying to keep the magazine alive. Right. But it's just, the company's almost dead. Yeah, but he came across it like he, the way that he did it... And they go into it in the movie. I mean, at that point, you know, you either step away or... He had a desk plate with the words Jesus Hitch Christ on it. I mean... Well, yeah, but not even so much that, but the way that the magazine, like the issues that were being put out at the time were just bizarre. I mean, how do you put out evangelical porn? I mean, this is really the type Roby was walking on. And it was just... Ugh... Like, so, like yeah. the 1970s version of the quibble, <laughs> right? What's yes, that? miracles. Yes, <laughs> I just want to do the miracles thing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> now, but one of the things that came from that was you know the pointing out of um, the morality and the hypocrisy that existed around him mm-hmm. at the time. I mean, okay, he's just out of prison, right? And he does uh, the freedom speech rally. Yes. And his whole point in the freedom of speech rally is you could get a prize for shooting someone, shooting someone as a photographer. Yes. But you could get arrested for shooting a naked human. Yes. And see, this is one of the things I've always heard. Like, I've always said I'd rather, you know, catch my son in the room with, 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 with a magazine as opposed to him having a knife or something like that. You know what I mean? Because, in my opinion, I hate violence, and, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, when when it doesn't always... I mean, but you... you, Yeah, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, remember, this is the time just around the Vietnam thing and the Contra thing. Right, And, you know... uh, Yeah, Pulitzers were being given away to... uh, War journalists. Right, war journalists who were going over there and taking pictures of children in Vietnam being burned. Um, You know, however... Yeah, some, some, you know, Susan has her boobies out, and I'm getting arrested, right? And and that's that's vulgar. Yeah, and 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 you know, I've I've always bought into that. You know, it's it's violence is, has always been wrong, but I've never had a problem with nudity, male or female. You know, it's 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 what we are. I mean, an arm is an arm, and a butt's a butt. You know, right? I mean, you know, as far as I'm concerned. But um, they also show, like I mentioned earlier, the Playboy penthouse were both sold in the movie, mm-hmm. but Hustler is the only one that keeps getting shut down. Mm-hmm. The penthouse thing surprises me because penthouse is more vulgar than than hustler. Um, not at the time. Not at the time. Not it's at it's the kind time. of flip flop now. Well, yeah, but I mean, hustler was okay. I mean, how do I say this without being vulgar? Be vulgar. Like, we, I'll bleep it out. <laughs> okay, so like Playboy was more voyeuristic. I mean, you know, you would see stuff, but you I mean you 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 wouldn't see everything you know what i mean you read it for the articles right well i mean and you could see things but you know and um penthouse you could see stuff and you know yeah but i mean hustler you saw everything okay i'm just gonna be vulgar and hustler you could tell what's what size speculum a woman needed next time she went to the doctor i mean it was was, damn well, back in the day, yes. Well, back in the day. Uh, yeah. So, um... And not that that's wrong. 
No, but there's just, I mean, for someone not to be used to that, for, for men who were used to, you know... This was this I guess was the equivalent of going from showing a little bit of ankle to showing you know a full on leg, yeah. Using Victorian analogies, mm-hmm. um, it's more like showing going from an ankle to we're showing bikinis. Okay. Yeah. That's a better example. Yes. Although there were no bikinis in Hustler. Uh, <laughs> no. No. Um, one of the one of the morality questions is this: the more moral a character is, the more of a hypocrite and. Okay, let me rephrase that again. Let me let me rephrase that. Excuse me. The more moral a character thinks he they are, mm-hmm. the less of an open mind that they have, and the more hypocritical they are. Mm. I mean, you know, I don't want to get into a debate about Jerry mm. Falwell, but the way he was portrayed in this movie. Oh yeah, but you do know that towards the end they they became friends. Oh yeah, they were they were firm friends mm-hmm. when. Uh, in fact, uh, Larry Flint donated something when to his church or something like mm-hmm. that when he died. Um, but at the t- but during the movie, I mean. Right. He was portrayed as a small-minded, right, closed-minded, you know, and and that might be wrong. That might not be the person who he was. But I mean, the more mor- the more morals people had in this film, the less open-minded they were, and the less they were willing to, right. you know. Now that's probably again done by design because Oliver Stone doesn't like a conspiracy. Right. You know, he hasn't seen a conspiracy he doesn't like. But um, the bit that made me uncomfortable the most during this was when uh, Althea shows up, uh, you know, announces that she has AIDS, and nobody's nobody's dealing with it. Nobody's right. Nobody will say hi, bye, kiss my ass, nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, she's... But yeah, but a lot of that has to do with AIDS at the time, too. True, but the bit... That's not the bit that sickened me. The bit that sickened me was when Larry came back in and said, uh, this is my wife, you will treat her like a human. Right. Everybody treat her like a human again. And it needed... It needed somebody. Boss man had to say it before it got done. Yeah, and yeah. and that just like that made me cringe inside because mm-hmm. not just because it's a man telling you have to obey my woman or anything like that, but it's human to human, you know? right? Um, but I mean, you know, Al- Althea was a cause of jealousy, which is another big part of this movie was jealousy and envy. I mean, Larry did have a lot of jealous tendencies. Oh yeah. I mean, he you know, he he and Althea would sleep with other women. But as soon as a guy looked at her, he, you know, mm-hmm. green-eyed monster. And in fact, I think he slapped her once to the point where she almost choked him. <laughs> um, yeah, Althea didn't take crap off no, of anybody. No, she, she didn't. She said she'd rather eat dog food than, than, than go through that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and also his kind of jealousy and rivalry with uh, Hugh Hefner. Is, yeah. You know, and I knew they might have been rivals, but I didn't know how petty it was until, like, for example... I bought a house with 24 rooms because that's how many rooms Hugh Hefner has in his house. Yes. You know, um, now they also, believe it or not, they made up, you know, I mean, I'm not saying you couldn't have one without the other, but they both were pioneers in the same field. Is Flint the last smut peddler? Last of the OG peddlers? I think he is. He outlived half. Yeah. I think he outlived. Yeah. 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 Huh. Larry's it. He wins the uh, he, he he wins <laughs> he wins the golden pie. I mean, <laughs> ew, you're nasty. Okay, uh, okay. So let's let's get off themes of the movie. Let's look at some of the stuff behind the scenes of the movie. Um, let's talk about some 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 Larry Flynn trivia. Okay. Um, I did this in the Groundhog Day episode. I'm going to ask you flat out: Would Bill Murray or Tom Hanks have been a good Larry Flint? 
Murray, maybe. Hanks, no. No, I don't, I don't think Tom Hanks either. Tom Hanks couldn't play that level of depravity. Oh, I don't know, man. Tom Hanks, yeah, could. maybe. Yeah, I don't, but, I don't but think... still, I mean, no, there's... Hanks can do depravity, but Hanks... I mean, I, I He's Tom Hanks. Well, yeah, I mean, he's America's grandpa, but he's just... <laughs> I can't see... I wouldn't be comfortable then again... I mean, it's like that movie where Robin Williams played the serial killer. I mean, the photography just, movie. Yeah, yeah. But it's like having someone do something that seedy, that's so out of character. It's just yeah. True. I but mean, but it would have been viscerally like I would have been shooketh. He could okay. he could have done anything as a horror movie, but not necessarily a drama. I don't know, man. I mean, but Harrelson think, was the best choice. I don't think Bill Murray could have could have done it. If I'm honest, mm-hmm. I mean, Bill Murray's a great actor. And he would have he would have pulled it off. Yes. But Bill Murray's way of working would have you know. Oh God! It would have been hell for everybody. It would be hell for everyone. Well, not just that. He, I mean, he likes to improvise a lot. Yeah. So like, I'll stick to my lines, but you improvise, and it's just you know. It doesn't work that it way. It doesn't work that way. No. And um, as I mentioned, Brett Harrelson plays Jimmy Flint. Mm-hmm. You know, the the Woody's brother plays right. Larry's brother. Um, Larry Flint was asked who he'd rather play himself if if it wasn't uh, right. Woody Harrelson. He said Michael Douglas. I don't think he could have pulled it off either. Mm-mm. He's too polished. Mm-hmm. Woody Harrison was just rough enough around the ed- right. great actor, but just rough enough around the edges, you know. Um, and you know, the lines that they wrote for uh, Larry's Freedom Speech Party um, were copied from Lenny Bruce, another huh. First Amendment freedom of speech person. Yes. So you know, that's. I mean, that, that, that's that's you know, that's a lot of. Um, a long way to go about it, bringing Lenny Bruce into this, you know. Um, right. We go to Alpha Flint, or Courtney Love. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll handle this one. You can handle this one. Okay. okay. All right. So, uh, due to Courtney's drug addiction at the time, uh, she was given the role on the condition that she stayed clean during the shoot. She agreed uh, and credits, you know, Milo's foreman helping her stay clean. This was also during the period of time where... Uh, she got into her, began her Donatella Versace phase. <laughs> so, uh, awesome, awesome. Yeah. Um, she was arrested several times during filming due to remaining in costume. Now, if you haven't seen the movie, some of those costumes. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's indecency right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when shooting in the jail, I was placed in handcuffs as an overzealous cop thought that she was a prisoner due to her attire. She looked a little bit like a um, lady of the night. She was a solicitor. She was soliciting. Yes. Um, Ashley Judd was Flint's first choice to play Althea. Would that have worked? No. Um. Maybe? Because I remember you telling me Ashley Judd was kind of like the rebel of the family. Yeah, no. Judd is a fabulous, fabulous actress. Um, It could have. I don't know if she, I mean, I don't know. I think if Courtney couldn't do it, that would be a very good second choice. Okay. Um, and uh, Patricia, excuse me, Patricia Arquette and Mary Servino were also considered for the role of Althea. Now, Arquette, yes. Definitely. Uh, Sorvino, uh, maybe. See, the thing is, is that I'm not as familiar, unfortunately, with Servino's work as I probably should be. I know she did a lot of stuff, and then I know she had, um, well, once she went went against Weinstein, that pretty much screwed her career over, yeah, but that's, that's, that's a, a whole other story, story for, for a different, different day. day. But um, um, No, I don't know the name, so forgive me. I apologize, and I can't be bothered to look it up, because mm-hmm. we're having internet issues. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Comcast. <laughs> um, 
you seen Father, Father of the Bride? Yes. Okay. The Bride? Yes. She was also considered... In fact, she got... She was neck and neck with Courtney Love until she found out that she had to do nude scenes. And at that point, she dropped out. Really? Yes. Hmm. I did not know that. Yes. I just can't remember her name. Apologies. Like I said, I don't have my phone on me because I'm recorded and we're having internet issues at the house right now as I'm recorded. So I can't really, you know, do this. Um, Ed Norton wanted to work with Miles Foreman and jumped at the offer to, you know, um, to, to be in his movies. Kimberly Williams. Kimberly Williams. Kimberly Williams Paisley. Could you imagine Brad Paisley's wife as Althea? Oh. Uh-huh. For those of you who don't know, Brad Paisley is a very, very straight-laced, straight-up country music star. Uh, he's not oh, well, that not straight-laced. straight-laced. I mean, he did alcohol. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Anywho. Um, sorry. Go ahead. We're... <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Uh, Ed Norton. Uh, yes wanted the Supreme Court scene to be genuine and so it's verbatim. Uh, what Alan Isaacman said in the courtroom mm-hmm. was what Edward Norton said in the film. Yes. So, that, you know, that, that's... I mean, because in a lot of these adaptations they don't necessarily go 100% of what the court case is doing. I mentioned the O.J. Simpson thing the other uh, earlier on. Right. And, you know, for example, John Travolta's character put the gloves on first, which was a no-no. You know, right. do that. But it was the dramatic effect. But this played it straight down the middle. So it guess it's saying that larry flint's life was so awesome or so very not varied uh varied for lack of a better term that they didn't need to embellish much right because it was so, you know it was such an interesting story to begin with um courtney love i mean oh yeah her 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 free fall a little bit her excuse me that that is not the right term to use her um grieving process pursed pursed post Kurt um had been so public yeah that um and the issues that she had um after that were so public that the fees for the insurance because you know during during any production everyone is insured and bonded you know what I mean so um the fees for Courtney were so high that Oliver Stone and Woody Harrelson and Michael Halsman and and Milo's foreman had to pay them on her behalf and they gladly did it. They, yes. They said they'd do it again because it was such a, you know. I mean, Miles Foreman loved working with Courtney Love so much that the next time he did a biopic, his very next movie. Yep. Which we will talk about later on in the yes. season. Uh, Man on the Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Andy Kaufman story. He hired her straight off the bat. He thought of nobody else to play um, the girlfriend. But we'll, yes. we'll get to that at another time. Uh, Miles Foreman actually believes that uh, pornography is degraded into women. But... He saw Larry Flint as a defender of his rights first and a perfect mm-hmm. second. Yes. And that's, I guess, the whole theme of this movie. Right. I mean, if you go into this expecting to see boobs, 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 you'll see some, but it's not like 90 minutes of, you know, right. backs well, I mean, up for the last. Right. But here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. And here, here it is with, here's what it boils down to with Hustler and all of that. Um, it doesn't matter if. You know what? If you go and buy, if you go and look at something online, as long as it's legal, yep. Or um, you purchase a magazine, okay. Um, whether or not I morally or you know agree with you doing that is, is inconsequential. The fact of the matter is, is that the con- the Constitution um, states that you can, and yep. the um. There have been hundreds of thousands, millions of 
men and women who have given their lives for this great country for you to be able to enjoy your rights and for anybody <clears throat> and this one this might get me in a little bit of trouble but um there is no right more important than, than another there's not the first is not more important than the second the second is not more important than the first nope so um you know there <laughs> However, you know, you can't just, you can't cherry pick. Sort of like Bible verses, you know, as a Christian, you can't cherry pick which, uh, which verses you want to listen to and which ones you don't. True. But it's, it's, it's the same thing with the Constitution. You can't decide which law, what laws are we going to obey today, Johnny? Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's perfectly true. Right. Which feeds into the whole hypocrisy thing and religion and at the end of the day, you know, you, you can't enjoy your First Amendment right for freedom of religion, but stomp on someone else's First Amendment right of freedom of the press and, and freedom, you know, of speech. So, sorry, I went off on a whole No, tangent. no, that's good. That's good. I think, I think, that, <laughs> I think that's going to be the same poll. Uh, <laughs> okay, but I mean, you know, it is. Millions of is. men and women died for your right to have a slap if you want one. <laughs> so crude so help me I'm yes that out. yes um millions of men and women have proudly given their lives for you to um see boobies and um to uh oh oh wait 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 wait, wait. here we go here we go here we go go up. larry flint is the grandfather of 50 shades Because, right, first of all, Fifty Shades is, you know, many people would say it's indecent, right? Yep. However, the fact that it's even able to go to print is due to... Larry Flint. Right. Because what did Fifty Shades start off as? Fan fiction, which is Twilight fan fiction. Right. So, Larry Flint is the father, grandfather, or father, whatever, of Christian Grey. And there you go. Six degrees of separation. Well, everybody's got flaws, and I guess that's <laughs> one of them. Stop. Uh, okay. All right, going into some uh, some boring filmy stuff. Yes, this please. This film was nominated for Best Director at the Oscars that year. Right. But not Best Picture. Hmm. It was the only one that... And, and t to me, I think those things go hand in hand. Right. I mean, you can't have a... You can say, hey, you did a great job directing your movie, but these other movies were better. Yeah. I mean, that's like saying, hey, you were the best driver, but you, your car wasn't the best car. I mean, you know. Um, there are some inconsistencies because it is a movie and some, you know. It, right. didn't, it didn't use the phrase, you know, some things have been changed for dra dramatic effect. Right. It didn't cop out. But, uh, for example, uh, Alan Isaacman is a real person. In mm -hmm. fact, is one of Larry Flint's attorneys. Mm -hmm. But the character of Alan Isaacman in this movie, Ed Norton, mm -hmm. was like a, a combination of right. like all of his lawyers thrown into one. Right. And, you know, that's necessary for something like this. Because a guy who's had that many lawyers and, and... Yeah, you can't... You just throw it into one right. and it makes it, it makes it a lot easier. Jerry Falwell has said that um, he didn't find out about the Hustler parody from his students. But he only found out about it when he was asked about it by the media. Mm-hmm. So they had to add that for, for dramatic effect. Right. And the main judge, Thomas Alva Mankel... I mangled that. I apologize. Um, basically, is many judges that Larry Flynn got a composite, in front of, right? And basically, they, the the scriptwriters named him after their friends, right? So, 
Um, couple more interesting things. This one I like. This is my favorite fact out of everything. Uh, Larry Flint offered a million dollars for information about the killer of JFK. JFK. And they talked about it in the movie. And they talk about it in the movie. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there's a conspiracy going on that uh, Woody Harrelson's dad was involved in the assassination. Okay, well, also, I mean, Woody... But he was a bounty hunter. No, no, he wasn't. No, he was literally an assassin. Oh, like he, he was an assassin. That's, yes, okay. he um, he uh, he murdered a judge, a federal judge, as well, um, later on. But, um, yeah, it's there's, there's actual speculation, and people can, can bring some sort of... You know, there there is more evidence that Woody Harrelson's father had something to do with the whole JFK, Jack Ruby, whatever um, killings. There's more evidence that leads to that than there is that the Earth is flat. <laughs> so, oh my word! Um, there's a scene where Larry refuses to swear on the Bible, saying mm-hmm. his atheism. Mm-hmm. And that's a real law because uh, the Quakers didn't want to swear on anything, right? So it was amended. That they just, you know, they, they affirm that they're going to tell the truth. Right. Um, so basically putting your hand on the Bible and swearing is basically theatrical. Right. For lack of a better term. Uh, the starter mansion that you see in the movies was actually Larry Flint's original mansion that he owned in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned earlier, Judge Morrissey is played by Larry Flint. Right. Um, what are some of your favorite scenes in this movie? Let's let's have a little bit of fun. We've been very, very serious. So some of your favorite scenes in this movie. Um... Let's see. Uh, now, what I've got written down are my favorite scenes. So, right. you have, you know. Well, I'm, I'm not even looking at what you've got written down. So, good, we, good. I, we may double dip here. Um, one, uh, well, the beginning, um, when Larry's a child and they're, they're you know, running moonshine. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, when he meets uh, Athea. Um,. The scene where he's, after he's shot, the one I talked about earlier, and, you know, she's telling the doctors, you know, fix him. I don't care what you've, you know, well, he, he may be paralyzed. I don't care. Just do it. Just, Just make sure he's alive. Yeah. Um, and the end that's, where, that's yeah, where that. he's, where he's in the mansion and, and you can hear her, her laugh um, when he's watching the home videos. Yeah. And they're, you know, and, and and the camera goes through and that just, oh, it, it just, it gets my heart every time. That, that, did, that I mean, that, that scene will bring it to you to the last eye. It really will. Right. Um, it's well done. It is well done. Um, especially the death scene, too. Yeah. I mean, that that is a very, very dramatic scene. And kudos to Woody Harrelson and, and Courtney Love for pulling that off. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the, the freedom of speech rally. Mm-hmm. I love the speech he gives, uh, especially the quote... I think the real obscenity comes from raising our youth to believe that sex is bad and ugly and dirty, and yet it is heroic to go spill guts and blood in the most ghastly manner in the name of humanity. Right. That's something I've always believed in. I, you know, I, I don't care what criticism comes my way. Um, I mentioned Larry blowing up at the boardroom who will not look right. in the eye. Right. Um, when he returns to work as he's going through the wheelchair. The pervert that, is back. Yeah, everybody who listens, the pervert is back. Uh, <laughs> poor, the poor secretary. Let them know the pervert is back. Yes, and and like you, you know, I love that final scene, that final, um, final lot of the hat. So real quick, we just got a couple more boring things to go through, and then we're gonna get to the nitty gritty. Winner, winner, chicken. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Okay. This movie was, you know, considering who's in it and who did it, it got a lot of um, uh, 
recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, Woody Harrelson and Marlis Foreman were nominated at the Oscars for Best Actor mm-hmm. and Best Director. Uh, Marlis Foreman, Scott Alexandria, and Larry Kazawinki won uh, the Golden Glove for Best Director and Best Screenplay, respectively. Somebody please let this man know how to pronounce that. Oh, I I know. It sounds like I'm ignorant, but I, I, I can't. Zinski, okay. Karazuski. Karazuski. That's what I said. Oh, well. Uh-huh. Um, Michael Hausman, Oliver Stone, and Janet Yang were nominated mm-hmm. for Best uh, Producer in a Best Drama. And Woody Harrelson and Courtney Level both nominated in their respective uh, actor and actress fields. For the Golden Globes, yes. For the yes. Golden Globes. Uh, Courtney Love won Best Breakout Performance at the MTV Movie Awards. As she should. Back when that meant something. Yes. You know, now it's just like, oh, look, who had Best Kiss? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Go back to making music, MTV. And uh, Woody Harrelson was nominated for Best Actor at the SAG Awards. So that, I mean, considering who wrote this movie, who starred in this movie, that's mm-hmm. a lot of recognition. Yeah. And especially the topic matter, too. I mean, it just goes to show you never judge a book by its cover and you never judge a smut peddler by his antics. <laughs> by his smut. By yes. his smut. <laughs> uh, as far as I'm concerned, this is a solid 8 out of 10 movie. No qualms about it. I'd give it eight and a half. Eight and a half. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's underrated, definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely underrated. Um, the cast, as we mentioned, perfect cast. Yes. Um, I also think it should be required viewing. You know, right now, I don't care, regardless of what side of the aisle that you're on. Um, you can't be ignorant to no. think that there's not a lot of those same discussions being had right now. True. Um. If nothing else, for a point of reference, regardless of which side you're on, it's a good movie to watch simply because um, you can get more of a feel for how things were done then and when it changed. And why it changed. And why it changed. Now, Grant, you know, and, and some of it is dramatized, but the fact of the matter is, is that love him or hate him, this man gave a... Gave more than anyone who is not a military member or a uh, a holder of public office. Um, for a civilian, he did more. For a civilian, he's done more for your... Um, constitutional for, rights. For your constitutional rights, for your First Amendment rights, than anybody in the last hundred years, hands down. Point blank. Point blank. And um, because of that, excuse me, because of that... Regardless of your personal feelings on the man, um, he should be celebrated. If yep. if you um, if you are you know happy with your First Amendment right to uh, say what you want on Facebook, um, you can thank Larry Flint. If you are happy with your um, cartoon drawing you know or um fan art fan fiction um if you um well i mean there's religious freedoms in that as well so i mean if you are enjoying your religious freedom and here's the thing with religious freedom um you can't be too sticky with it because what is okay for one religion by law then becomes okay for all religions yep because as a country we don't have an official religion um, not making any comment one way or the other and then I'm just saying point blank that's what the law says so um, for the religious freedoms that you enjoy or choose not to enjoy as is your right um, there are some um, some credit to the fact that you can enjoy them the way that you like to enjoy them or not um, that can be placed at the feet of Mr. Flint 
So regardless, love him or hate him personally, he is important. And this was a fabulous depiction of what what he's gone through. And all of that accurate, too. Yes. And and again, um, Harrelson and Love uh, did an amazing, amazing job. Oh, yeah. And Norton. Oh, yeah. The three of them had, like, this weird chemistry that I've never seen before. Oh, yeah. And then, you know... I don't mean weird, like, as in it was awkward or anything like that, but, I mean, they had this way of... It was a three-ring circus, Mm -hmm. you know? Only two of them liked each other at the one time, whereas the third one was probably the third wheel. Right. But depending on the situation, sometimes it was Harrelson doing the third wheel, sometimes it loved doing the third wheel. Right. And it was really, really cool watching, you know, watching the dichotomy between them, because they really, you know... Those three made this movie. Yeah, and you can also, um, for those of you who like to do the behind-the-scenes Six Degrees of Separation mask, this is also around the stage that Norton and Courtney started dating. Oh. So, Make yeah. Make that what you will. Hulk smash. <laughs> so bad. Okay. Okay, well, on that note. Yes. On that note, we are going to call this a wrap. Uh, Sarah, it has been fantastic. It has been a pleasure, dear. And we are going to have you back sooner than uh, you think, because we've got a video game episode coming up uh, next, where I'm going to be joined by by Greg. But after that, we're going to be talking about um, uh, one of your favorite people. Yeah. And one of Britain's most hated people as of right now. Yeah. Mr. uh, Anthony Blair. Oh! So that'll be in about, let's see, five weeks or so. You have to wait five weeks to get your Sarah fix. But okay. we'll be talking about Mr. Blair and yes. a couple of other things, too. Yes. So, in the meantime, now that we've gotten all this stuff out of the way, one of the great things about this episode is that was very, very easy to research. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, you just watch the movie and go to IMDb, Wikipedia, and Rotten Tomatoes, and you get all the information you need. Mm-hmm. How was research in the 90s? Ooh. Well, our resident sarcastic teenager has one or two things she'd like to tell us about research in the 90s. I bet she does. For me, college is not that far away. Miling my time away, looking up campuses, dorms, is so easy. I mean... All I had to do was go on Google and bang! I could see anything in the world that I want. And besides, like Wikipedia, I could see information on anything I want. Like last week, I discovered that gravity was discovered by James D. Kirk. Ugh! Look, I get it. I have it easier than most these days. Back in the day, you had to go to the library to find out what you wanted to know. The library! Oh, wait, no, libraries are cool. Anyway, I would have to pick up cards, find books, make notes, find editions, and it would take hours just to find a phone number or something. And what it was I was looking for, historical stuff. I might have to actually phone people. Like, no texts, no emails. Actually, phone people. I mean, Why? To find out information about college or school, I would have to call the place and then wait for them to mail, to bring me the brochure, then decide, 
I couldn't just go online and dismiss school due to lack of cute guys or hot chicks. But what was good is all that stuff I find out was correct. No flatter of people getting in my way. And no blaming illnesses on medicine. Just straight out facts. The point is that unless, like my own mama, you owned the encyclopedia series, you had to pay attention or leave your house. Now, I have all the information in the palm of my hand and can tell you that Doctor Who built the pyramids. Okay, guys, we've got one or two more things before we go ahead and uh, shut up for this week. Um, we didn't get much feedback with the social media question. I think, basically, with Larry Flint, I mean, there's nobody really else you can think of who was somebody who you wouldn't expect to be an ally of a certain cause, but there he was. Uh, like we mentioned, you know, it was probably more to do with he was looking after himself mainly, but, you know... Uh, Basically, when he succeeded, we all succeeded. So um, I want to thank everybody who's been on our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, because maybe Pod, uh, Google Plus, we're on there too. Uh, we do have a social media question because we are diving into the world of video games next week. We're not doing another review. Instead, we're going to look at the scene of what video games were in the 1990s, where they came from, where they were heading to, who was playing them, why they were playing them, and so on and so forth. It is a three-part episode. We're going to do another three-parter, and I will be joined by uh, Greg Gregory. Greg is a big video game nerd like I am, and retro video game nerd like I am. So, you know, that's what we're going to go ahead and do. I'm also going to put a Let's Play up there of uh, Super Mario Brothers. Actually, let me rephrase that. I'm going to put a Let's Play up there of Super Mario World. Now, I don't have a Super Nintendo. I'm going to be using an emulator, but, you know, you've seen me do it in the past. Um, so, with that in mind, let me ask you guys a question. Sega on Nintendo, which was better? Let me know on a social media site. So again, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, look at Because Maybe Pod. Or if you want to use the hashtag BMPod on Twitter, I'll go ahead and answer there. So that's really it for this week, guys. Um, I wish you a very, very special week ahead. I wish you a happy week ahead. And I hope everything that you want goes the way you want it to go. But until then, we will see you next week. <laughs>